Chapter fifty three of Science in Short Chapters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, situated in the northeast of the island of Ireland. Science in Short Chapters by W. Matthew Williams. Chapter fifty three Atmosphere versus Ether. One of the most remarkable meteors of which we have a reliable record appeared on february sixth eighteen eighteen several accounts of it were published the fullest being that in the gentleman's magazine of the time i may here add parenthetically that one reason why i have a special pleasure in writing these notes is that they contribute something towards the restoration of the ancient status of this magazine which was at one time the only english serial that ventured upon any notable degree of exposition of popular science upon the data supplied by this account mr jewell has calculated the height of the meteor and to have been sixty-one miles above the surface of the earth and he states that this meteor is one of the few that have been seen in the daytime and is also interesting as having been one of the first whose observation afforded materials for the estimation of its altitude it was seen in the neighbourhood of Cambridge at 2 p.m., also at Swatham in Norfolk, and at Middleton, Cheney, near Banbury. The distance between this and Cambridge is sufficient to afford a measurement of its height, provided its position above the horizon at both places was determined by tolerable accuracy. According to the orthodox textbooks, the atmosphere of this earth terminates at a height of about 45 or 50 miles, or, if not absolutely ended there, it ceases to be of appreciable density anywhere above this elevation but here we have a fact which flatly contradicts the calculation at sixty-one miles above the earth's surface there must be atmospheric matter of sufficient density to offer to the passage of this meteor through it an amount of resistance which produced an intense white heat visible by its luminosity in broad daylight in the above quoted paper read by Mr. Jill for the Manchester Literary and Philosophical Society on December 1st, 1863. He refers to subsequent observations and estimates 116 miles as the elevation at which meteors in general are first observed, that is, where our atmosphere is sufficiently dense to generate a white heat by the resistance it offers to the rapidly flying meteor. It is curious to observe how, in dealing with actual physical facts, a mathematician of the solid practical character of jewel becomes compelled to practically throw overboard the orthodox theory of limited atmospheric extension here in making his calculations of the resistance of atmospheric matter at this elevation he bases them on the assumption of a decrease of density at the rate of one quarter for every seven miles and indicates no limit at which this rate shall vary very simple arithmetic is sufficient to show that this leads us to the unlimited atmospheric extension for which i have contended we may go on for ever taking off a quarter at every seven miles and there will still remain the three quarters of the quantity upon which we stand operated or more practically stated we shall thus go on seven after seven until we reach the boundaries of the atmospheric grasp of the gravitation of some other sphere surely the time has arrived for the full reconsideration of this fundamental question of whether the universe is filled with atmospheric matter or is the vacuum of the molecular mathematicians plus the imaginary ether which has been invented 
by its mathematical creators only to extricate them from the absurd dilemma into which they are plunged when they attempt to explain the transmission of light and heat by undulations travelling through space containing nothing to undulate they have filled it with immaterial matter evolved entirely from their own consciousness which they have gratuitously endowed with whatever properties are required for the fitting of their theories properties that are self-contradictory and without any counterpart in anything seen or known outside of the fertile imagination of these reckless theorists we know of nothing that can penetrate every form of matter without adding either to its weight or its bulk we know of nothing that can communicate motion to ponderable matter without itself being ponderable that is having the primary property of matter viz mass or weight and subsequent vis viva when moving we know of nothing that can set bodies in motion without proportionally resisting the motion of bodies through it and if the waving of the ether as tyndall describes it as real and as truly mechanical as the breaking of sea waves upon the shore the material of the breakers must be like the jelly to which he compares it and have some viscosity or resistance to penetrate or pushing aside we have not a shadow of direct evidence of the existence of the interatomic spaces occupied by the other and in the midst of which the atoms are made to theoretically swing not even of the existence of the atoms themselves the ether of to-day with its imaginary penetration and its material action without material properties has merely taken the place of the equally imaginary phlogiston caloric electric and magnetic fluids the imponderables of the past i have little doubt that ere long the modern modification of these physical superstitions will share their fate and we shall all adopt the simple concept that heat light and electricity are like sound merely transmissible states or affections of matter itself regarded bodily as it is seen and felt to exist this may possibly throw a good many mathematicians out of work or into more useful work but however that may be it will certainly aid the general diffusion of science as the intellectual inheritance of every human being at present the explanations of the simple phenomena of light and heat are incomparably more difficult to understand and to account for than the facts which they attempt to elucidate end of chapter fifty three recording by chad horner for ballyclare in county antrim northern ireland situated in the north-east of the island of ireland